Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Pleased to say that uh, tennis has been a focus for us this week and it will continue to be uh, in this hour and uh, right now in fact as we talk to David Mustard, the former New Zealand tennis pro of course, uh, uh, now a coach, uh, but David in his day uh, was uh, very, uh, I, I think uh, one of our high, high profile tennis players to be perfectly honest, I, I just looked uh, a little bit of information on David, I can't believe he's 63 years of age, that surely is a misprint <laughs> but I can also tell you uh, that David uh, played uh, in uh, the Australian Open, the French Open, well Wimbledon in doubles, but also in singles, where he reached the second round in 1984 uh, 85, and also in 85, the third round at Wimbledon. So, uh, David Mustard knows all about uh, playing in um, Grand Slam tennis events um, and just how hard it is to get through. David, uh, thanks so much for your time this morning. Ian, thanks. I don't think, you know, I don't think I've ever actually um, you know, chatted with you before, but it's, it's an honour, Ian. It is an <laughs> honour. <laughs> No, no, the honest mind, mate. Uh, I'll tell you what, and, and it's your time of the year too with the Australian Open, to be perfectly fair. Uh, and we've reached a stage now where uh, it's been a, a, a little bit of uh, carnage on both sides of the draw for, for men and women. Uh, but we do have uh, yep. the perennial and uh, Novak Djokovic still there. Whether he's playing with an injury, uh, we're led to believe he is. But he's not playing like it. And uh, today or tonight, he gets Tommy Paul, uh, an unseated American. Yeah, it's, it's interesting looking at all the information that comes out in the media about his, you know, his hamstring pull. But he said that pretty much he's, he's put a lot of praise on his physio. They've done their job. Um, I think it's precautionary. I think it was spoken about. I think he did have a little bit of a, you know, a, a problem there. But he seems to have got through that because I'm telling you, I've, I've been watching his last couple of matches and I'm absolutely flabbergasted. He's 35 years of age. Um, he's won nine Australian Opens. Let's look at all the stats. He's going for his 22nd Grand Slam. He is serving faster than he has before on first and second serves averagely. He's getting more speed on his forehand um, and all the stats. He's actually playing the best he has for some time. He, he, at the present time, is in the zone. Now, he's very wary of Tommy Paul. Of course, it's going to be how they match up on the day. But look at all the stats uh, are in the favour they've never played before. Tommy Paul is one of the many Americans that are now coming through. His strength, uh, you know, he's, he has a good mix of footwork. He has a good speed. He's, he's dynamic. He is dangerous out wide. He's a shot maker. Um, but, you know, he's in his first semi-final of a Grand Slam. The deepest he's gone before, I think, is the highest. was the fourth round before. Um, has good ability. He's 25 years of age, so he's 10 years younger. Um, but it's hard to think that he will have the firepower on a regular basis to be able to take someone like Djokovic. Djokovic is really hitting the mark, to be honest. I look at the, this matchup and I think to myself, this could go one of two ways. Tommy Paul could play the match of his lifetime um, and Djokovic could be slightly off and be under pressure for great parts of it, or Djokovic could wipe the floor with Tommy Paul on the basis that Tommy might have already played his final. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you know, you look at the draw, you look at the last two matches the Jock was played, he just wiped the floor with those guys, and the guys, you know, Rublev, these are good players. These are good, consistent players. Um, I think, in on paper, 
you pretty much say that it would be three straight sets to Djokovic. I think that people will want a battle. Uh, he may get a set, Tommy Paul, but honestly, you would not think he would take out Djokovic. He will have to play the match of his life. I don't, I don't know that he can do it on a consistent basis. You know, in the period of time they're out there, um, but you never know. It looks, you know, <laughs> these players are getting closer and closer. And well, I'll tell you what I must say about the Australian Open. You know, everybody goes, I'm missing Federer and you know, Nadal's out, whatever it is. I think it's it's been a great Australian Open. I think it showed a lot of players coming through, and I think the crowds appreciated that with the closest of matches. And you know, people like Murray coming through a couple of rounds and five set matches, and one of the longest matches of all time from four a.m. There's a lot going on in, and it's actually been, I think, quite an exciting Australian Open, to be honest. Well, on the other side of the draw, uh, David, um, we've got um, the, the highest uh, seeded and, and Stefanos uh, Tsitsipas, um, and he's taking on a really, really powerful player in uh, Karen Hashinov, who uh, I, I saw dismantle Sebastian Korda, uh, just with power, really. Um, he, was, he was primed. He came out of the, the tunnel charging, served an ace first point, never looked back. Uh, has he the potential to uh, upset Tsitsipas? You know, again, you're looking at this. Look, he, he has the ability, but again, you look at all stats leading to this point. I think Kashinov um, is playing very well at present. His strengths are his big serve. He has big, heavy ground strokes. It's a little bit harder, um, you know, a bit harder generally um, off the ground than Sitsipas. Um, but, you know, their head-to-head record is 5-0 to Sitsipas, you know, who's ranked three in the world. You know, Kashinov is 18 in the world. Um they know each other's games. They're both on, on a high. I mean, Sitsipas, for example, is saying that, you know, he feels um, more positive. He's not, as, he's not thinking negatively on the court. He, he feels mentally stronger, which comes from playing a lot of matches and playing at a high level. Kashinov can worry him. Um, but again, I think, I think it's looking very much in Sitsipas' favour. I think Sitsipas is just a little bit faster around the court has a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more shot selection he can use, but he's not going to take Kashinov easy by any means. So, and remember, Kashinov has been to the semi-finals of the US Open. He lost to Rude last year. So he's been in the semi-final before, because sometimes that's a bit daunting for players as well. So he does feel comfortable, and Kashinov is a lot fitter this year, he stated in his, his last interview. So it should be an exciting match. At the moment, Sitsipas is probably playing, I believe, a little bit better. Right. OK, let's uh, look at uh, the, the women's final, which has now been confirmed after the semis last night, David. Um, Rybakina, of course, getting through. Um, she's uh, the current Wimbledon champion, and she's seeded only 22 mm-hmm. for this Australian Open, which is a little bit puzzling in itself. Um, she's up against uh, Arunya Sabalenka, uh, of course, the number five seed. Well, again, you look at you look at them coming in. You know, Elena Lavakina. Um, she's she honestly has been playing great. She took out Swiatek, the uh, number one in the world. Uh, but these two have actually played three times, and each time it was a very close match. But all three of those those head to heads went to Sedlinka. Um, you know, they're both similar ages. Sedlinka is twenty four. Elena is, is twenty three. Um, they both are, are shot makers, very, very powerful. Sablinka hits a little bit stronger off the ground, a little bit more variation in the, in, you know, the Kazakhstan uh, Rubikina's game. So, again, 
I think it could go either way in this, but the but the stats really are lining up to Sablinka, who's been in three semi-finals before. But of course, Rakina has been in the final of Wimbledon. Um, so you know, and it's a pity because her ranking is considerably lower only because they gave no points to that Wimbledon last year because of um, different different reasons. So it, it'll be an interesting match, but I think on paper, again, Sablinka. Possibly a very tight three-set match. Right. Um, I'd I, I really like to talk to you now away from the, the Australian Open. A little bit about uh, New yep. Zealand tennis, David, because oh, good. Um, one, of, one of my wish lists is this. Uh, one of my wish lists is that we have um, uh, male and female. Uh, male would be great both, but I just want to have someone in these drawers at these uh, Grand Slam tournaments. <laughs> how, how, I know it's a perennial question, but how does that come about? How do we achieve that with our, our tennis uh, people coming through? Oh, and there's, a, there's a whole lot of things required to that. Um, I like Dick Rye. I watched him at the ASB Classic, and he's our number one ranked, what, around about 450 in the world at the moment, and our, and our seniors for the you know men in New Zealand. Um, you know, and you look at his ranking is, is way down to be able to even get access to the bigger tournaments and what have you. So he's always playing qualifying or lower tier tournaments. And it comes, there's a lot involved. What it is, is that you have to be a realistic on, on where you stand with, with your game um, and what you have to improve on. You have to be around the better players on a regular basis to understand that you belong with them and see if you can compete with them. So you have to do your apprenticeship through the lower tier tournaments. It's it's win orientated. Um, it would be great if we had more events in New Zealand, but that comes down to finance as well. Um, and if you if you could play in those, you have a chance to be either wild card or if you don't have enough points to get an I'm going to digress a bit here, so keep me on track again. But mm-hmm. if, if you can get an opportunity to play in those events in New Zealand with overseas players competing, it requires money to put those tournaments on. The ASB Classic um, and showed you with a couple of New Zealand playing in the main draw as well. We had a player in the main draw as well. You know, they don't see those players across the net. They don't understand the, the energy and the, and, and the fitness and, um, you know, what's involved at that level. So they're not competing against it. So to get to it, you have to get your world ranking up. You have to play in lower tier tournaments to do that generally. You have to be around it. You can't stay in your zone. You have to be away. You have to be tra- travelling re- um, regularly. Um, New Zealand, it would be nice if we had more, more depth of players. I think we have some talented juniors coming through. Um, but they've got to go through the whole system to do that. You have to be around it. So it takes finance to do that. Um, and, and that's and that's the bottom line. And you have to be realistic where you're at as you're moving along. It's lovely if you could have your own coach, but it comes expensive. Um, mm. Travel in groups comes expensive. I mean, is that answering your question? I mean, it's that's the same in, in most sports. To be honest, um, it's it's a hard one. Yeah, it is yeah. a hard one. It's Sorry, it's it's, uh, it's not giving me a, a whole lot of optimism here, David, because you mentioned. So many uh, things against it there. So, okay, so uh, I've got a relatively... You have to go say, I, and involved, really. Yeah, that's my point. Uh, the point is it's not going to be achieved here. Is that, is that your, your, your bottom no, line? I think, I, think, I think they can get stepping stones by having events that they have an opportunity in to see better players and to get their world rankings up because it's all world rankings. I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you an example, and, and people don't 
always that not involved in tennis don't understand how that operates. Here's, here's, here's the bottom line, right? If you want to become a professional player, as a general rule, you're going to have to probably be in the top 150 in the world, okay? If you're going, example, the Australian Open, and I'll use that as an example, you'd have to be probably in the top 90 in the world to make the main draw. If not, you're in qualifying. The good thing about that, if you can get inside the top 200 in the world, you have a chance to get in qualifying. Um, and now the finance or the money in those big events which we see, and I'll give you an example, the first round loser of the Australian Open is about 106000 Australian dollars now. The, the mm. last round qualifying loser is $55,000. There is money at that level, but to get to the level, you have to get your points up. And New Zealand would be a stepping stone if we had more events and more finance put in to give them the opportunity of doing that. Otherwise, they have to travel, you know, around the world on a regular basis to all different, you know, countries and what have you um, to go through that transition. Um, and we also, we also, because of our size country, you know, you just don't have the depth. Um, you go away and a lot of players elect to go to scholarships in the States. Um, which is a very good thing for them to play, get an education and play at that level. But what happens again, if you want to do the circuit, you have to get out when you have your break from university and play and, and have a go. Um, and that's, that's pretty much it. So it is not an easy exercise to do it. Another little thing, in 1985, and I'm going back and I'm an old fella, and there were five New Zealand men players in the main draw of Wimbledon, myself being one of them, whoopee-doo. But what happened, we had five in there. Now, that didn't happen by accident because we had all gone out. You know, Chris Lewis, Russell Simpson, Bruce Derlin, Kelly Evenden, we all went out and tracked the circuit on a regular basis. And it was not a cheap exercise, but we had to play day in, day out and work out where we fit and how we all operated. And that's the, that's the bottom line. You need the opportunity to do that. It takes a lot of work. Oh, yeah. Is it's very, this is enlightening. I, I've, I want to know the, the, the answer to this because it's puzzled me and, and it concerns me actually as well, to be perfectly honest. Um, the, the other thing is, is tennis, is tennis perceived as being from a, a junior, from a family orientated position? Is tennis per, per, perceived as an elite sport? Um... Like golf? I think I think in I think in areas, yes, um, and there's you know, and, and New Zealand tennis or tennis NZ is is trying to look at that development schools program and try and get some funding to do that to give everybody a chance to, to pick up a racket at school level. That's why they have the hot shots program and what have you. I would say probably it is not a cheap exercise, and I deal personally. I deal. I don't deal with the elite. Um, kids anymore. I used to be involved with the national squad, regions, and all sorts of things. I do club coaching, so I have a junior program in one. They come on, and they only touch tennis for a very short period of time. If they really want to play, you know, parents are a huge part of that because they're the ones who become your volleyball hitting with you on the court. Because let's face it, Ian, and Ian, do you play tennis? Socially? Um, casually, very casually, uh, not that often, yeah, David, I'll be honest. But if, you, but if you went out with your mates and you decided you wanted to have a hit, you'd take a can of three tennis balls out there, okay? And if you could hit a few over, you're hitting the ball over and you're forever picking up <laughs> balls because someone's not keeping the rally going. 
but you have to persevere with that. So when a kid starts playing tennis, they go to a, a junior program, they have a go, they go, oh, I quite like hitting this ball, all my mates are playing it, and they kind of involve in the game. They may do some group lessons, and they may you know, do some private lessons to hone their skills a little bit. Then they have a club night, or they play a little inter-club for their teams. They have to involve, and it's usually the parents will be taking them, and the parents are very much around them. In New Zealand, I believe, and I also believe it's important, they should experience all different sports to learn the hand-eye coordination and to learn team and things. So I think you cross-reference sports. I think it's very important. But but I think also, uh, I had an interview with Monotoglu some time ago, and he agreed it's 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 slightly different here than it is in, in, in Europe or Eastern Europe or whatever it is, the, the mentality here. You touch the sports, then you decide if you kind of like the environment, and then you start competing at different levels. Really... It's, it's not a one because you have to have enough courts, court time, um, and you need your parents behind you to get you there, to have a few balls with you, you need a wall. If you look at all the past champions, uh, good players, they all practised against a wall on a regular basis um, because that became their volleyball to hone their strokes and to get their hand-eye coordination working. So, and again, am I answering the questions that you wanted answered? Because David. it... it it's a club aspect, you, you and and I think it's court time and it's being on the court and involving on a regular basis. It is not easy. That's why team sports are sometimes a lot easier because yeah, you have more space and 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 it is often a cheaper exercise. David Mustard, um, this has been enlightening for me, um, and it's not the last time I want to speak to you. So um, we, I have to end it now for time constraints. You know what radio is all yeah, about. Yeah. But here's the other, here's the other thing. Um, I'd love to call you back and get more into the teeth of this because once the Aussie opens over, because uh, it's, it's it's to me it's it's concerning and disappointing because I'm sure there's talent there. Um, you know, the, in the uh, Polynesian type society, the, these kids have raw power and strength and, and they just need direction, I'm sure. But David, can, thank you so much for this morning um, and I'll, I'll make sure we get a hold of you again shortly. It's, it's been great catching up with you. It is, Ian. Remember, Ian, the ball's in your court. Oh, like it. I absolutely like it. <laughs>